And you're listening to another episode of Courageous Conversations with Sheree. I'm your girl, Sheree Darianne. What's up, Savannah? So happy to be back with you today. I am bringing you another guest, naked, unashamed, and unapologetic with his truth. But before we jump into that, let me jump into this and remind you, you're listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. Yes, yes. Thank you, Savannah, for listening. You are amazing. And you're probably saying, what's up, Cherie? Who do you have today? Who are you bringing on the air with us today? Well, well, guess what? I am a lover of all things second chances, and I love a great story. The title of this dude's story is I Won't Starve. Wow. Yeah, I hear you, Savannah. I won't starve. We're going to unpack that in just a moment, but let me check the line and make sure he's here. Mr. Jamar, are you on the line with me? I am. I am. Thank you for having me. Awesome. That's super cool. Why don't you say hello to Savannah? What's up, Savannah? I need some of that seafood. <laughs> <laughs> That's hey, We already have something in common. I love seafood as well, but you're right. If you're going to get it, let's get it right here in the low country. So, Jaheem, uh, please allow me a moment to roll out the red carpet for you. That's my way of affectionately welcoming you to the WRUU family and the uh, Courageous Conversations with Cherie broadcast. So, Jamar J. Halim Washington was born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. He is an Amazon best-selling author, award-winning, nationally published commercial photographer, motivational speaker, and corporate trainer. He has worked with national brands such as Nike, Save the Children Foundation, and the National Guard, providing them with imagery needed to market and promote their businesses and initiatives. As a motivational speaker, he shares his inspirational and empowering message of becoming a felon in college and not being able to get a job after graduating. This led him to becoming my favorite, an entrepreneur. About seven years ago, he developed a mantra titled, I won't starve which has become the catalyst in his pursuit of creating successful entrepreneurs. Now, with more than 20 years of experience as an entrepreneur himself, he created his company, I Won't Starve Academy, which provides education and training focused on entrepreneurship and career development. Jay Halim is always working to build a strong community of entrepreneurs. He highlights business owners and community leaders on his weekly podcast in the studio with Jay Halim, bringing awareness to new and established entrepreneurs nationwide. The show has helped business owners gain the exposure they need to market themselves to a broader audience and their business has grown because of it. Wow. What's up? What's up? What's up? I love this. I love what you're doing. Thank you so much again for being on the show. Obviously, I I wanted to set our conversation up today with the fact that this opportunity for you and I came full circle. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. 
I'm looking, but I don't have it in front of me, but I was presenting a scholarship as I do each year to one of the county's area high schools. It was a Chamber of Commerce scholarship in the amount of $750. I presented to one of the seniors at Royal Live Oaks Academy Charter School, of which I was a founding board member. And guess who was the keynote speaker? (laughs) So when I finally, when we got in line, walked up, sat on the stage, and I opened the program, I saw your face first, Jaheem. And I said, wait a minute, I know this. Why do I know this face? And it was because of a very good friend, Tamika Sims. Tamika and I was doing some, I think as a seminar we were doing at a local community college in South Carolina many years ago. And uh, she reached out to me and for whatever reason, I think we got interrupted with COVID and my whole schedule got blown out of proportion. But when I saw your face and then read your bio, I knew immediately who you were. And so I had to approach you afterwards and say, dude, (laughs) I am so sorry, but I got to get you on. So thank you for saying yes and being here today. Why don't you share about your story? I love the title. Let's just start there. We're being very organic and transparent in this moment, but I won't starve. What is that about? Wow, you know, um, thank you. And yes, that was um, a full circle moment. I had a great time, you know. Tamika is now my assistant. She worked with me on my first book, I Won't Starve. And we fell in love business-wise. Yeah. You know, we fought, we fought, we, it took nine months. The first four months, I think I quit about three times <laughs> and she kept me in there. And so we finished that book and uh, I said, you can't go nowhere. So <laughs> she yeah. wasn't working full time for nobody. So I kind of snatched her up and um, this has been an amazing ride ever since, but um, I won't starve. Wow. You know, it's, I, it's like a, an amazing dichotomy with that because I was, a felon way before I Won't Starve came about. Uh-huh. You know, again, I became a felon in college. I ended up finishing college, but couldn't get a job. Couldn't get the job. You know, I got a good grades, everything like that, but I couldn't get a job that my, my degree warranted. So I immediately went into entrepreneurship. I was always hustling, you know, um, since, you know, incorrectly and correctly. You know, yeah, I get I just it. was always about making money. It was never, I never hurt nobody, you know, directly or nothing like that. Anything I've ever did, I didn't have anything, any business doing. It had something to do with me earning a dollar. So um, coming from the New York area, you know, Newark is 15 minutes outside of Manhattan. You know, we hustlers from up there. So um, and growing up in the 80s, we saw a lot of the negative just as much as the positive, probably more negative than positive. However, you know, I, w- I was the one selling bags and handbags and stuff like that on college campus and throwing parties and doing all that other stuff, too. And so I had that entrepreneurial spirit. But I knew I was in college, so, you know, when you got out of college, you're supposed to go get a job. And entrepreneurship wasn't so popular back in those days. You know, right. 20-something years ago, if you were trying to get a, um, a business when you got out of college, they just called you lazy. You know, you were lazy. Wow. You just don't want to work. And even going to an HBCU, I got that. It wasn't no motivation to go ahead and start your business and do that. It was like, boy, you better get this job. But I couldn't get that job. So, you know, I went right into entrepreneurship, which was, you know, thankful to the grace of God and me having that experience already. I went ahead and did it uh, because other people probably would have fell back on doing the things that I was doing prior to. But I went and did my business and, you know, it was fine until the um, 
the global um, recession happened back in 2008. And uh, my wife and I, we were living in the D.C. area and where she's from. And she worked on Capitol Hill and she lost her job abruptly. And, you know, I had to sell my business. And then I came back to South Carolina. And that's when it all hit me. The being a felon portion hit me all over. Because I'm back where I got in trouble at. I'm back here not being able to get a job, even though I've worked in a, and had my own business for years. And so I had to start all over again from scratch. I started for an $8 an hour job back in 2013. And um, the next year I left the job because I went to a TD Jakes conference and um, this is when he put out his book, Instinct. And we went to the conference down in Orlando and I, mean, I was crying like a big baby because I remember he was just talking about, he brought a lion, a real lion on the yeah, stage. You know, yeah, he I remember that. And um, he brought the lion out on the stage and he was just saying that, we keeping this lion, this lion had been in the cage all his life, but we keep him in the cage because we're afraid that his instinct might kick in and he remember who exactly who he is. Yes. And I'm crying the whole time. And everybody who I came with, we came with a church and I came with, a, we came with a couple busloads, but everybody that knew me in that place came to me and said, he talking to you. They could have easily said he was talking to them or they could have felt it for them, but they all came to me and said, he talking. And literally um, within months, I quit the job. I got an office space. And I, you know, I just went ahead and did my own thing. And that was my mantra. I won't start because, of course, we went through hell in the process of me, you know, transitioning back to South Carolina, going through all those things. We got the, did the repossessions, almost getting put out, all that other stuff. And everybody was like, you're crazy. You got a job. You know, I started at $8 an hour, but I wasn't getting no more. I had, you know, moved up some. And, you know, my wife had finally got a job. I'm like, what are you doing? You, you know, you go to mess everything up. I just let them know I wouldn't start because, again, I remember who I was. Right. I remember what I was able to do. I remember I, I handled myself in the D.C. area without having a nine to five, which it costs three times the amount to live and without a problem. I'm like, it's no way I can't handle myself with the skills and the talents and the things that I have here. So I just put that on me. I realize, you know, I always talk about I have a quote it's called the platform you lead from is more important than the platform you land on. And I understood that that I had an amazing platform already. And so I was already built for it and God didn't let the word didn't come back void. Right. You know, I, I haven't suffered since. That's so good, man. You sh I wish you could see my, well, I'm going to show you my notebook. Now, Savannah, you guys can't see it, but I'm just capturing notes. I had already <laughs> written down Bishop Jakes before, and I'm a lover of lions. So, but you went there with Bishop Jakes and I was going to share something about him. And then you shared your story, which is absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much that's running through my mind. I just want to recap for our audience. You said when you were writing your book, you almost quit three times. But <laughs> I said to Tamika was like your book midwife, right? She helped you birth Definitely. that baby. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And and the reason I want to make sure that we're that our audience are getting this. The reason why you ultimately went in entrepreneurship is because you were a felon in, in college and you couldn't get a job. And I know your story is resonating with a lot of other people who have been in a similar position. And so they, I think the system, excuse me, is set up or they want, or they say they want people to avoid recidivism where they become a re repeat offender. And to the point of Bishop Jakes, he started the Tory program, the Texas Offenders Reentry Initiative or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah. And so, uh, but entrepreneurship for them, because they have that mark against them, it's almost like having bad credit, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I, I understand your story. 
uh, about the car being repoed and all that too, that happens. But you understand that's just like a snapshot moment in time. That is not your entire life. That, life, that was just one moment of your life. And I think Definitely. that's where when people give up is because they see that one thing and think that's their entire life. But I'm so glad for the moment that you had when you were at that conference. And I'm so <laughs> thankful for the people that were around you. Obviously, they saw how that message affected you and that they spoke to you. And then you got the light bulb moment, the epiphany, I like to call it and said, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I got to <laughs> do something. I got to do something different. But I do want you to talk about the today, this post COVID, right? So most of uh, many, I don't want to say uh, speak universal terms, but many people today don't want to go back on the job. They don't. And, and people like they were saying to you, oh, don't start a, a business because that was, that just meant that you were lazy. A lot of people I'm hearing today say they would rather just get unemployment um, because they're lazy. That's not it. In my opinion, not, that's not everybody's story. What they have realized now is that they were getting paid pennies. You're right. Trading hours Absolutely. for dollars for, to, to make somebody else's dream come true. What are your thoughts on that? I think you're totally correct. I mean, again, you see people were getting $600 a week. And I know we live in South Carolina. A lot of people are not getting $600 a week to no. live here, you know. Um, and then they're getting $600 a week sitting down. And, so, and then they could go back to work and might get half of that. You know, as I said, I work for $8 an hour at 32 years old, yeah, you know, that's $250 a week at the taxes, you know, so, and that was acceptable. They, South Carolina still hasn't raised minimum wage. So yeah. I can't speak about other states, but, you know, just imagine trying to live off of that amount of money that you have in kids and things of that nature. So when you got $600 a week, you know, you're, you're uh, balling, <laughs> you know, and you're not going to work and you got opportunities to actually do some things you want. You actually ate more healthy, because you could probably actually get on a regimen, eat eat better, you know, work out, walk, spend time with your kids, things of that nature. So it's a lot more things that come with that outside of just getting extra money. You just living a better lifestyle, and people don't want to give it back. Don't want to give that up. No, they don't want to give it up. No, you're absolutely right. And if you think about wellness, that's what it is. We should be able to go to work, but also enjoy our lives. You know. So the whole point about yeah, we're, I'm in South Carolina as well, though this station obviously is in uh, Savannah. But the fact that the minimum wage has not been increased or that what they are receiving on their jobs is not even a livable wage. <laughs> what, I mean, how do you expect people to just walk away from that and then go back to the same old, same old? That's, it's called the struggle bus, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's tough. And then also, you know, a lot of a lot of people can't go back to work. And um, a lot of people are getting, um, a lot of businesses have chosen to get more done with less. And so when they go back to work, where they had eight people on their team, it's now six or five. And so, you, and so excuse me, you're doing the same amount of work or more work for the same pay. And so um, they're, they're, they realize that now. A lot of times when you end the fight, you can't see it. But yeah, the COVID yeah. allows you to step back and get that, you know, that aerial view of what's going on. And people are getting more enlightened to exactly what they're doing or, or what they're not doing. So um, I, I support them a million and one percent. You know, they, I want people to be knowledgeable. I, I'm, I'm an advocate for jobs. I'm an advocate for the right jobs. You know, I, even though I'm a, a proponent of entrepreneurship, 
Right. In my second book, the first principle is to hustle while you work. I think a job, you get education, you learn, you get training, all that stuff from a job. Money is going to follow you, but you can get all those things from a job. And so, but if it's not the right job or it's not right for you and it's hurting you, right. I think you shouldn't be there. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally commend that. And and um, I commend that and agree 1000%. It was interesting. I heard some stats last night. I was literally just coming back from Augusta, Georgia. I attended a council meeting where another group uh, are advocating, actually it was the NAACP, uh, another I think it was a Black Chamber of Commerce and another organization, the Marketplace. They were all presenting to the county council there uh, about an opportunity, a program very similar to what you're doing. Actually, I'm doing as well as providing not just access to capital, but also the technical assistance or the business operational support to help people so that they don't just start or launch their business, but that they grow and scale. So that is my passion. You don't know my story. I know we've met on a whole different platform, but I'm a former banker who left a bank to essentially start a bank, a CDFI. Wow. Yeah. And so what we've been doing is putting together uh, all the pieces to help a business run successfully. But in a mm. nutshell, when people ask me what I do, I tell them that I help build legacies because wow. unfortunately among us, not many of our families have, um, not many of our, the next generations have received an inheritance from the ones that went before us. And that's something Absolutely. we need we need to fix. And so that's what my team and I are working diligently on. So I'm very involved in community, but I do love business. I do advocate for jobs similar to you, but the right type of jobs. And part of what our um, CDFI does is not just start entrepreneurs, but also job creation, economic development. Yeah. It works hand in hand. And we need both because if you are a business owner, you're going to need some employees. Everybody's yeah. not meant to lead. There's some people yeah. that are meant to follow and it's just to each his own. So I'm delighted. I love the hustle while you work. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, wrote, I wrote that down as well. But why business? Now, I know why you uh, obviously had to pivot in that space. But why do you advocate for others? Are you seeing that? And before you answer that, something I wanted to note is that in that meeting last night, it was reported that only 1.9% of Blacks received PPP funding. That was trillions of dollars that were deployed. And only 1.9%, that's less than 2%, were um, received by minorities. I'm, I'm going to specifically say Blacks because minorities is becoming broader and broader by the Yes, minute. it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. So for me, I, business is, is, is freedom. And business is also, and I mean, this is for everybody, my, my philosophy about business. Two things, business is freedom and business is our responsibility. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, it's a, the ultimate selfless act at to be an entrepreneur. Because the ultimate, the ultimate, what was that? Selfless act. Why do you because say that? True entrepreneurs create opportunities for other people. And so when you're creating an opportunity for other people, if you ever had employees, you they get paid before you get paid. Yep. You're literally going to bed worrying about 10 other households, not just your own. 20 That's other right. households. That's right. 200 other households, you know, to make sure that they're good, even if yours isn't. You know, um, people don't realize that people invest in certain communities according to how the business works. Mm -hmm. But what does the business community look like? 
in that area? Right. How are the businesses working in that area? So then we'll give funding or we'll move a big uh, a big corporation will move in that community. Yeah. And so understanding that and then going back to the freedom piece, you know, you really don't understand what freedom looks like until you, you've had something, been able to birth it, create it from scratch and make it into what you want it to be. It's the ultimate measurement stick. You know, in a job, people can say you were um, short sighted, you were slighted because they gave somebody else a shot that didn't give you a shot. In entrepreneurship, it's just like driving an automatic, I'm in a stick shift. You know, you go, you that's on you, you got full control over how that is. If you yeah. didn't succeed, it's on it's on you. And for the people who want that type of freedom, but this is definitely the playing field to come. You can control your family's legacy. Um, we talked about, you know, I told you earlier when we left my, um, we had to leave DC. If I didn't have a business, I didn't have great credit. I, didn't, I don't think I had good credit, um, but I had a business that had assets. Right. And so we didn't we didn't fall on our behinds immediately because I was able to sell off, um, you know, contracts and things of that nature. And a lot of people, especially that look like us, wasn't telling us about that. It was like if you don't have a house or you don't have something like that, you don't have any equity or you don't have any um, assets. And that's just not true. When you build a business, you're building an asset. Yeah, you're building net worth if you know if you know how to do yes. it properly. So yes, that's other, that's freedom. It's definitely yeah. a road to freedom. That's pretty awesome. I love your uh, definition of the selfless act: freedom and responsibility, but creating opportunities for other people. Now, it's interesting that when you got on the stage at the graduation, you said you went to the former campus. And you were like, what in the heck is this? It's like, <laughs> this is what, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's where they, that is the grounds where we started with mobile trailers. And look where they are today. It's absolutely amazing. amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. But to the point of opportunities or corporations and other industries actually moving to an area to um, create jobs and uh, all of that, you need to have a ready workforce. Obviously, these communities need to have that. I brought that illustration up for you because that is essentially what rural South Carolina is. Where you were here in Jasper County, I mean, it's like obsolete. There's so much potential and opportunity here, but from an economic development standpoint, we're still behind the eight ball. So what you saw was, it's like polar opposites, right? You saw, you know, old rundown, former elementary building, I think, in campus, the full campus, and then you saw the brand new. So you got two things happening at the same time. And my whole point of mentioning that is there's room for growth because where we are, we're positioned strategically next to Georgia with one of the most, the busiest ports. Yes. So we got major opportunities, and I am uh, one of the commissioners on the Technical College of the Low Country. So that's all about getting proper skill sets and things where people can actually start their business. If it's HVAC, you name it, they can do that. If they want to become a truck driver, they can name it. Tell us about some of the entrepreneurs that you've worked with. With I won't starve. Oh wow! So it's funny you talk about truck drivers because that's one of my main major contracts I work with. A trucking company, we got it up and running over a little over two years ago now. It has almost 10 trucks. Um, but they work out of the port. They've been coming to Savannah, Charleston um, since from day one. Right. Um, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm a truck driver by default because I do consulting for 
So I know all the lingo uh-huh. um, and everything like that, but I don't have a CDL <laughs> and won't know what to do getting behind the truck. But definitely um, work with trucking companies. I've worked with uh, the city of Columbia. I've worked with County, Richmond County, where we where I, I reside. I work with Midlands Technical College. I work with um, SNBCC. And so um, as a liaison working with them, I worked on both sides. I worked with working directly with those organizations or those um, offices to work with um, the DBEs or MBEs or whatever the, you know, the yes. alphabet that fits yes. for each. Because yes. there's a different alphabet for each office. You know, sometimes they don't understand the bidding side. And so I work with them directly. Then I work with the offices directly from a space of them hitting their, their quotas because yes. everybody has a 15 or 10% or 12% quota that they got to work with um, minority business owners and things of that nature. So that, you know, you have cleaning companies that come through there, caterers that come through event management companies to tech, small tech companies. Some of everybody who's come through video, videographers, photographers like myself, I've worked with, you know, that has been the biggest thing for me because they wonder how I was able to get to that point with me being a photographer. But, you know, as I told everybody, I was an entrepreneur before I was an artist. <laughs> and so when I learned the art, I just put, a lot of artists don't do business. They're just good at what they do from an art perspective. I said, well, I can't make the type of money I want to make taking pictures of people's weddings. And so I started working with the government and I started working with, you know, the airports and things of that nature. And, you know, then construction companies were trying to get there and I would help them out. Um, to get their um, certifications or get them to be able to um, get their general contract devices, work with DOT, those those type of places. So it's a you know, array of companies that's come through. I started I Won't Starve as a company just for that. I would go to all of these functions and my company went from me to my whole company shooting all of these events that they have across the state of South Carolina for, for business owners um, in Charleston, the fly-in to every airport, you know, um, from right. Greenville, you you know the gamut. Yeah. My you if you see the camera people over the last five years or so, those is us, you know, or somebody from my company. So we would be there, but it would be like basically a day off for all of these dignitaries. So yeah. you have the mayor, governor, whoever there that's gonna show up, and then you have people from Columbia, people from this part, that part there, and not many entrepreneurs. And if it is some, it's the usual suspect. I felt like I wanted to help entrepreneurs, so I created the I Won't Starve Experience, which was a, a, a two times a year we did an event to actually bring entrepreneurs in and actually help them. And I got the city of Columbia to come on with me first, um, Richmond County, um, Midlands Technical College up here, and Wood Forest Bank to provide resources that I Won't Starve at the time couldn't provide. Right. And then now, you know, year, five years later, we're still doing it. We worked with, worked with over 500 businesses to get them started. So from, again, from cleaning businesses to photographers, to construction, to trucking, you know, all, all up and down the gamut. Wow. That's pretty impressive. And again, I'm going to unpack some of what you said. Sounds like you said you, would you say you're a truck driver by default? So that's dispatching, getting those contracts, you name it. Yeah. It's mostly the contracting work, you know, um, you know, again, they do all the dispatching, but we've they didn't have certifications because they were trying to yeah. find yeah they were trying to find work however it came, and I'm like okay well well in the process of that let's go ahead and get you certified with the state yeah let's, then let's go ahead and get DOT certification so that you can work let's go ahead and start working on now we're going into working on an SBA 8A certification right coming up on a three year 
So they didn't know about these type of things that can actually get them other jobs. They're actually going to go into getting dump trucks as well. Yeah. So they can participate in working with like the big contract that they got in that's in Charleston, the big um, museum that they built. They missed out on stuff like that, but they got other things coming up in the pipeline that they'll be able to take advantage of. So those are the things that I've been able to do and I work with them on a day-to-day basis. Awesome. So we're going to pause for just a moment. You have certainly shared a lot with us. I do want to come back after the break and talk about some of the pain points that you've identified with working with some of these entrepreneurs. You're just talking about, you know, obviously getting more opportunities for them. But then it becomes a thing of supply and demand. Can they actually keep up with the capacity, right? So I want to shift our conversation in in a different direction when we return. Savannah, you're listening to another episode of Courageous Conversations with Sheree. I'm your girl, Sheree Darian. I'm on with the founder of I Won't Starve. We'll be right back with you. How many times have you heard WRUU's corporate underwriting message? If you remember it, then your potential customers remember your message as well. We are offering this space to connect corporate and institutional partners with our loyal and active listeners. Underwriting on WRUU is short, so listeners don't tune out. It's exclusive, so your message won't be lost in advertising clutter. And it supports Savannah's only community radio station. For a marketing package to increase your reach beyond traditional media, email underwriting at WRUU.org. And we're back, and you're listening to another episode of Courageous Conversations with Sheree. I'm on the line with the founder of I Won't Starve LLC, Mr. Jamar J. Halim Washington. You're still there with me? Yes, yes, ma'am. Cool beans. So while we're excited about entrepreneurship, obviously I'm certainly excited about the times we are living in right now. Post-COVID-19, a lot has happened. I'm interested to see the stats that comes out from the SBA regarding the amount of new businesses that got started as a result of the pandemic. Uh, I shared earlier that only 1.9%, according to the Federal Reserve, only 1.9% of the PPP funding went to Blacks. And so it'll be interesting to see who survives because I love your, again, a pun intended with the name, I won't starve. I'm curious to see who actually survives and actually not just survive, but more importantly, thrives after starting the business. Because it's one thing to start a business. It's another thing to actually grow and scale that business. So I'd like to talk about pain points, right? You said something about photographers take a, they know their art, but, or their craft, and I'm paraphrasing, but they may not know how to properly uh, run a business or operate a business. Would that Absolutely. be accurate? That's definitely accurate. You know, as artists, period, not just photographers, but um, that's just, that was my chosen art before I became a writer. And, you know, I would run into a lot of individuals who, you know, have conversations with, you know, and they'll just be talking about the art portion of it and not moving as fast. I, I haven't been a photographer that long. I've only actually started my business as a photographer eight years ago. You know, I had a camera about two years prior to that. But yeah, I, I saw it past a lot of people who I, I, I came in, I was asking them for help. But then I saw it past them business-wise because again, they were more focused on the art portion. I was focused on who I'm going to shoot not shooting a thousand people. Right. And the funny thing, um, something happened to me. I was in New York City and I was in front of B&H. Anybody that's in photography or film or anything like that, B&H is a big 
camera store um, in Manhattan. Right. And uh, it was a gentleman shooting with like a 1940s press camera. And, and I was definitely fascinated with it. I was having a conversation with him. And I told him, I said, yeah, man, you know, I got to shoot more. I got to shoot more. He said, young brother, you don't got to shoot more. You have to charge more. <laughs> and, 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 and it stuck with me. And, it, you know, because you sit back, you can charge somebody $200, you know, 100 times. It's still only $20,000 a year. Right. You know, so even if you did 200, yeah. still 40,000, you, you know, you keep adding it up. You got to, so you got to have 500 gigs to have that nice secure income. That wasn't right. So I immediately went out and said, okay, I, I did my research. I'm in Columbia. I looked at the stats. How many people are in Columbia? What's the census say? 140 something thousand people. Okay. There's a whole bunch of law firms here. Why is that? Oh, we're right there at this law school. I attack law firms, 400 law school law firms in this one small city. I attack law firms. And it was cooler, it was cleaner for me to work. And, you know, this is after me having a job, doing that, taking pictures of a law firm. I like, I like this better than anything I was doing. So I attack law firms. And from there, it just spawned on to working in city government, um, into, you know, then to me doing international work. So at the end of the day, I didn't stay in the lane where the artist, you know, lawyers are not artistic at all. They're in a hurry to yes. get out. Yes. <laughs> They're like, okay, I got to get to a deposition. You finished? Right. But, you know, they, they the money is there. They keep calling me back. It's not somebody going to work with one time and never work with you again. Uh-huh. So that's the supply and demand. You know, that's that type of situation. That's location. It's all those things came in. That's real business, not just art going into it. And a lot of people look at it as the art, not running the business. And that's how right. I approach it. Right. No, that's that's super cool. Um, what do you think as you started explaining? I, my, my first thought was know your numbers, right? Identify your target audience and create your client avatar. Like who? I mean, there's only 24 hours in a day. We get each of us get the same number of hours in a day. How do I use this same these hours and still have a life? Right. Because mm-hmm. listen, I'm not just going to be working. <laughs> all day 40 yeah. 60 80 out I, I quit my job and then i'm going to start a business and i'm working 90 triple time what i was on that one job and just in the name of making some more coin where the money resides where the money resides no uh-uh, no let's press pause and let's work smarter not harder definitely definitely so, that was definitely my thought process with that yeah 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 so but let's talk about the operating of the business so okay I'm sorry, when I was reading your, there was something that stood out to me, I think at the end. Hold on, guys, I'm just looking here. It said something about help business owners gain exposures. They need to market themselves and their broader audience and their business has grown because of it. But there was something in here that I thought, okay, the I Won't Starve Academy provides ed- education and training focus on entrepreneurship and career development. What do you mean in a practical sense? What does that look like? Which part, the career development or entrepreneurship? The the training focus on entrepreneurship. What does that training look like? Okay, so we, we have a few different services here, but um, how we kind of pipeline through I Won't Starve Academy is that I Won't Starve Experience first. Then we have my entrepreneur development workshop. And then we have the 10-week course that we have called Fast Track. We kind of pipe pe- pipeline people through that. So you come to an I Won't Starve experience, sort of like the T.D. Jakes workshop that I had. You know, you come there, you're motivated, you get a chance to hear other people's testimonies, people who have been through that I Won't Starve, their own I Won't Starve experience in their life. And, you know, I, and I'm very, very stern about authenticity. 
So these have to be people who actually been there because at the end of the day, I, and I have to be perfectly honest, I don't like individuals who had this six figure job for a hundred years. And then you, you know, put $20,000 up for a business and you're doing this and you're saying you, you struggle. That's yeah, not no. struggle. No, that's not that. And you know, when you put it all on the line, then we, that's a different discussion. And that, <laughs> that's me. You know, and I'm serious about that with, I, with, my, with my people. Like my people is never going to have nobody talking to them that hasn't really put it on the line like that. Right. I'm not discriminating against those people. I salute to you for, for having that type of life. But it's so many people, it's way more people that need that type of guidance and that type of help and that type of inspiration than it is to say, hey, I worked this job for 20 years or 15 years or came out of the military and I got 15 checks before I even go out to a business. Like, that's not really a risk. You know, you can yeah. try a few things and you okay. So in that space, it, it allows people to say, okay, let me let me see that it's people can, that, that understand my story, understand what right. I'm going through. Yeah, yeah. But I usually have, you know, the people around. I have the resources around them to take them wherever they want to go. So as I talked about having a city there, having a county there, having um, an educational platform there with, with um, Midland Technical College, having a bank there. So if you do have bad credit, we usually have these on Saturdays. Um, prior to COVID, we'll have people dressed the way that, you know, you can be working with the bank, but you got a T-shirt on. So if you, yeah. and I'm, feeding, I'm feeding you Subway sandwiches. So if you spill mustard on your shirt, because, you know, people that look like us, we, we're afraid to go in the bank and ask for money. We're looking at that three-piece suit. We don't want to yeah, talk. Yeah, but intimidation. Person, exactly. These people got a T-shirt on just like you, and they look just as comfortable, and now you get a chance to talk to them. And then they, they have to help my people. They're here because I'm helping them with that exposure portion of it. And then it's moving on to the Entrepreneur Development Workshop. That's the one. That's a four-hour workshop that now we're going to focus on all entrepreneurship. How you get from start to finish to start going on to get your business started. Right. And then the 10-week course is to grow your business. And so when you've come through that pipeline, these people are going off and actually doing their businesses and winning. So that's how we pipeline that through our own cyber Academy. How do you reach them? Through social media. You know, again, with the experience, that's where you start to grab people. Um, I have partnerships with the city of Columbia. Again, city will have functions. And now it's to the point where they sign them up. Because yeah. I started off signing people up that I knew for cities workshops. Now, you know, um, collaboration. Exactly, exactly. Because I understood the pain point. I went through every city. I'm gonna, I'm gonna test them. I paid and invested in myself and went through every little class they had. And so I told you, I started, I started seeing that it wasn't enough entrepreneurs there. So I'm like, well, look, I can get you guys these people if you come to my function and help me out. It was like, well, what, what type of money do you need? I don't need no money. I need your resources yeah. for, your, for my people. Again, a sacrifice. I could have took some money, but no, I need the resources but, but for I my think, people. OJ, I love that so much because I think some people, when they hear the word resources, all they hear is money. So why don't you be specific and what do you mean? Well, again, at the time when I first started, I didn't have classes like that. I didn't have a space. Right now, I have 3,000 square foot office space. Before, I had 450 I couldn't hold a class of 20, 30 people at the time. Right. So they can, and they might be charging $800, but because they came to our own start, they got in there for free. Yeah. You know, so the resources to say, hey, you guys met your numbers. Now you have a whole bunch of supply diversity opportunities as well, because now you, I just sent you 30, it's already minority business owners for this particular um, class that you have. 
and I've seen, and I got 30, 40 more for the one you're going to have in the fall. And now you, there's 70 to 80 more minority businesses that you can possibly use, you know, for your, as a supplier. And it's, I know I remember through my tenure working with the city, I've seen them jump from 10 to 15 percent. Yeah. Because they hit the 10 percent mark for supply diversity. Now they're at 15 percent. I know I played a part in that. I can't say I did everything, but right, I know right. I played a huge part in that. Because no, that no, happened no, within the it. time I've been working. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, understanding what Midland's tech situation was, what they needed. The banking. People don't understand that banks have quotas that they have to meet for community um, outreach and community development. I understood that from a business perspective. Just because I had a camera in my hand, and didn't understand that I'm still an entrepreneur and I understand how to do that. Yeah. So I approach banks, say, hey, I can do this for you. You don't have to come behind your desk with your three-piece suit. I'll get out in the community and I'll bring them to you. Yeah. And that's yeah. work. Yeah. So a couple of things I want you to help us, help me dispel uh, some myths mm-hmm. regarding the guidance and the courses. Because uh, I was on a call one day, I don't know, my, my days are running together. I don't know if it was this week or last week, but with SCORE. Okay. SCORE, obviously, and the SBDC, Small Business Development Centers, all of those are in all of our communities, regardless of where we are in the United States. And what they do, obviously, is provide business experts, right, to assist people with their businesses. I have been screaming to the top of my lungs for the last few years is that there was a gap, particularly for minorities, um, because most of them want you know, they want you to come with a ready business plan in place. And that was, that was a disconnect for a lot of people. My point raising this issue is they have now created a minority program, right? To give that technical assistance to help these people, actually help them fill out an application or create a business plan or whatever, not expect them to have it when they get there. But what I want you to help me dismantle a myth is will black people attend the meetings in the course i'm sorry the courses if they are created are you seeing the output the performance that they are actually attending it so you go out you create these courses will they actually attend yes it's supposed to be free so if it's free yes and they have to reach out to the people and then also the last thing they have to speak to the individuals a lot of time i work directly with individuals from sbdc and we find out they do have the program. Some of the people are great at what they do, but they have to learn how to speak the language. They have to learn how to speak the language. A lot of times they're here talking about the business plan and the P&L statements and things like that. And these people don't know what they're talking about. And they're saying, okay, well, you using PayPal is not good enough. You should have this. Well, yes, it is when you just start. You know, everybody's not starting with $10,000 in the bank or $50,000 or right. $100,000 in the bank. So if you're using PayPal and you just start with $500, there's nothing wrong with that, my sister, my brother. That's okay. Let me help you where you are. And a lot of times they don't meet you where you are. Yeah. And if you're going to get people, that, you know, African-Americans to come into there, um, you got to meet them where they are. And that's what, what the mission for my, for I Won't Solve Academy, it, if you read it, it says to help African-American business owners on my website yeah, because that's the need. We, yeah. we I, I feel we have the need and I speak the language. I've been in a situation where it's me and someone else from SBDC talking and teach code, we're co-facilitating an entrepreneurship class and they'll say, Jay, can you explain to me what he said? Right. Because right. it's not that he said anything wrong. I get it. Yeah, but they may not. But they don't understand it and they tune out. Yeah. They tune out. 
and it's like, and, and you think that kids don't have have a short attention span. You know, adults have an even shorter one because they're right. like, hey, I got something else I could be doing. Right. You know, literally, if I can't get it the way I need to get it. Yeah. And so they got to speak the language. Got to be willing to speak the language. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you raised the point of um, the courses are being free because I think that too is another myth. One, they won't attend the courses. It's not that they won't. You saying that you got to meet people where they are and be able to communicate effectively, speak their language. And then yeah. two is free. Oh, if you do it for free, if you give it away, they're not going to, because they don't have any skin in the game, uh, they're not invested, then they won't take advantage of the opportunities. What do you say about that? Um, I think it's a two-part scenario. I think if it's coming from the government, it should be free and they will participate. But an uh, independent business owner, you should charge. You should charge because, again, you have to eat, you have to take care of your family, and then you get the people who are serious to work with you. The government has these, you know, have money and, and funds allotted to do these type of things. Now, some cities and municipalities are choosing not to do it, but you have enough money to go ahead and do that. That yeah. was one of the reasons why I created um, I Won't Starve as a nonprofit um, because I said, well, I'll get individuals that don't look like us to pay me for me to help my people. Right, right. You had to be strategic. That's, that, that's my exact, that's, I don't have to hide that philosophy. That's exactly what it is. I say, okay, I still need to make money for me and my family. Yep. And, you know, and to make sure that we're good and I can go ahead, like we're having a fundraising in, in next month. We're giving away food. So if we're going to give away food, we have politicians and flying people in, we have to earn money to do that, even though it's a nonprofit. Yep. So we have, these programs have to be paid for. But I don't feel like I, if I'm trying to help a single mother who's working at eight dollars an hour job, who's trying because right. she knows how to cook very well, and she's trying to get off the ground and start a business, but she don't have any funding, I don't want to charge her $500 for one of my courses. Right. You can pay me $500 and I'll teach her. Right, right, right. Exactly. Wow. Amazing. So much good stuff. What do you think about the times we're living in right now? Amazing. It's amazing times. I, I you know, outside of the health portion of it, that's horrible. Still amazing. You know, you learn some education and things like that, but that's the health portion is horrible. But, you know, for entrepreneurs, COVID-19 always had a different name. COVID-19 has come all the time. You know, um, we lived in, you know, 2015, we had a, a flood. A thousand year flood here. That was COVID nineteen for a bunch of businesses, especially in South Carolina. Yeah. Um. You look at the the taxi cab industry. You know, um, Uber was Uber and Lyft has been COVID nineteen for them. You know, um, the the Great Recession was COVID nineteen for a bunch of people. You know, so COVID nineteen comes in businesses all the time. Somebody could just have a health scare. You know, um, and I teach people about that as well. You know, having not just health insurance, not just life insurance. They're always trying to kill off us um, entrepreneurs. But what about disability insurance for entrepreneurs? Get yourself some disability insurance because if you're a photographer, if you're an artist, if you're a general contractor and you, you, it's your hands that do the work, if, you're, if you get some liability um, insurance for yourself, some disability insurance, I'm sorry, you can get your family four or $5,000 a month still coming into the house while you're sitting up for a year or three years, you know, this is just small education. It might not even cost you $100 a month, but we don't teach that. But we yeah. do it on, at I Won't Starve to make it sure, again, you and your family, you and your family would not starve because you got a broken leg and you're out of the game for, for, uh, for six months or eight, eight weeks or whatever. 
And these are the things that they're not talking to us about and teaching enough. And so that's where we are. But this is, you know, COVID-19, um, again, comes in different forms for entrepreneurs. But, you know, health scares, it's, it's crazy times. And, uh, you know, I'm just taking that as, hey, a lot of education. I lost a few family members during this time. Yeah. And it's definitely extremely sad. Uh, what are we going to do? I tell my daughter and my son, you guys are built for a time as this because I don't know. My daughter's going to eighth grade now. My son's going to the third. Yeah. If I was in eighth grade or going into the third grade, I wouldn't. Have, we wouldn't have been able, have been equipped to handle a time like this. Right. So you know, I'm glad that they were, you know, sad social media savvy, computer savvy to be able to go on and do virtual work. So right. you know, a lot of education. Yeah. So good. I'm so delighted that you said yes to this opportunity to be on. We're going to wrap it up in just a few minutes. I do, before we get to the end, want you to give your contact information. If anyone that's hearing you and your story today wants to reach out, would you share that? I am Jay Haleem on all social media platforms. I am Jay Haleem and www.jhaleem.com. Or you can just put Jay Haleem in your Google search and I'll pop up and see me and my three books and some of the stuff I've worked with, some of the people I interviewed and all that other good stuff. That's pretty cool. We just, my group just um, finished a mini documentary. I didn't know that you did this type of work at all. So that's pretty cool. But now, but now I know, I do want to ask you to speak directly to our listening audience. If there's anyone out there that may have a record or may just be an aspiring entrepreneur, what would you say to them? That if they're interested in possibly starting a business? Oh, man, you just got to jump. And I know that sounds crazy, but the platform you leap from is more important than the platform you land on. So what I mean by that, again, if you are somebody who was a hustler, they're not prepared for you in the, re- in the real world, as they call the quote on my air quotes. You guys can't see it, my air, no, my air quotes. It's just about learning the language. You know, if you were able to stand on your street corner and run from the police and make thousands of dollars a day, and survive robberies and gunshots and all this other stuff like that, this is a walk in the park. It truly is. And you can sleep better at night. You know, it's a little slower at first. It is. You're going to have to sacrifice a couple year or two to understand the language and understand how things go. But once you get off the running and doing the thing that you're good at, because just because you're doing something, some criminal activity, doesn't mean you're not gifted. You might be a criminal and come home and cut grass every every week at your house. You might be a criminal and come home and fix everything in your home. You know, you might cook for your family. And so those things are things that you can monetize and it can make just as much money, if not more. It comes fast in the street, but it goes even faster. This is going to come slow at first, but then once it starts coming fast, it's going to be hard to turn off that faucet, especially if you do what you're supposed to do with it. And if you've been able to navigate that even for a little while, this will be so much easier for you. So much easier for you, you and your family. And you'll be helping out the community instead of hurting it. You know, I didn't ever believe we were hurting the community back in the day, but I do understand now how we were hurting the community. And it's not a cool thing to do. I understand survival, but the way you, what you use to survive is not gonna be the thing you need to use to thrive. So just understand the platform that you built for yourself the foundation, the skill set you learned by being a hustler, being a grinder. So you've already surpassed most of the people that's in the quote-unquote real world. All you got to do is take the step. Wow. Man, thank you so much. Thank you for no just problem. sharing your story and everything that you're doing. Again, 
as the founder of Second Chance Community Outreach, all things Second Chance, I'm so thankful for yours and mine and the impact that we are collectively making. We won't starve. Definitely. Believe <laughs> That's that. one of my books. Yeah. That's one of my future books. We won't starve. We won't. We won't. We definitely won't. And I'm going to end with this quote. The platform you leap from is more important than the one you land on. Did I get it right? Yes, yes. The platform you leap from is more important than the one you land on. That's that's my signature quote. I stand by it a thousand percent. You know, um, we we put in so much work and yeah. we don't we forget it so quickly. We forget how great we are. Yeah. We forget that. And we forget that we built that how how I was able to do all this, how I was able to get over. And then you start realizing how strong you really are. You start realizing, like, you, if I did it before, I can do it again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's a awesome. little bit of morning motivation right there. That's, awesome. my, that's my, my third book. Just came out May 29th. So, you know, you find that on the website as well, along with the other one. Excellent. And thank you so much for being with me. That's another episode of Courageous Conversations with Sheree. Savannah, you've been a good sport. I know you are encouraged today. Thank you again, Jaheem, for being with us. I want to remind you that the viewpoints expressed in the preceding program are not necessarily those of WRUU, its staff, or its license holder. And until next week, Savannah, take care. Mm -hmm.